You can uh, be seated. All right, check, check, we're good. Invite you to open your Bibles up to the book of Ephesians. I know um, we have uh, some of our school-age kids in here with us. Um, Just as with Christmas uh, Eve, I uh, told the kids in a little packet, like, draw, um, you know, what Christmas means to you, and then come show me afterwards. And about 10 of the the little kids came up and showed me their great little drawings. I took pictures of them. Um, And the same thing, Uh, kiddos, uh, you got your little packet there. You can kind of think through, um, you know, what you're excited about this next year. What's coming up? that you're excited about, and you can draw a little picture of that on your little uh, folder there and fill those things out, and, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get through this. This is the first time that we've met as a faith family um, on New Year's, Eve, uh, New Year's Day officially, um, and it's really the first time since the very first year that we started um, that we even gathered in this uh, weird in-between uh, week between Christmas and whenever everyone goes back to school. Um, and we're doing that, I, I feel like, because I get lonely without you guys. Um, that's, that's the truth. I had a couple pastors check, uh, text me this morning. Um, some of them, one of them, they had their last service on the 18th. He hasn't seen his church even yet. They didn't have service today. He said, man, I'm so lonely. Um, so I got excited. Oh, well, we're going to have service gathering tonight. And, uh, and then I thought about starting back up in Galatians, but I thought, you know what, we're probably going to have half of our normal crowd here. Um, let me just share with you what's on my heart. Um, and, and some of it, I think, directly relates to us as a church. I think most of it relates directly to me and what God is molding me and calling, um, calling me to be. Let me pray for us before we, uh, we jump in. God, I thank you for... This incredible privilege, Lord, I pray that we would not take your word lightly. We would hold it up in high authority as the source for all life and direction for our lives. Um, and as we start this new year today, Lord, I pray that we would look at our lives and the direction we're headed, that we would make much of you. Holy Spirit, bring conviction in the parts uh, of our heart seems to run to those shadowy corners still. Illuminate those things. May we lay them at your feet in repentance. And may we um, feel the joy of our salvation once again as we trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. This year I'm not making resolutions. um, But I do want to shift some of the direction and trajectory of my life. Not about what I accomplished this year, but the man that God is making me into And so as I've been reading through and asking God this question, God, what are you leading me to do? What do I need to change? What what things in this lump of clay need to be ripped out so that you can remake them? What do I need to cancel in my schedule so that I can refocus and realign asking those questions? I feel like I kept hitting this theme um, of walking in, in Scripture, in 1 John 1, in the scripture, the passage that Jason read, it says, But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. 3 John 1, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Colossians 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
You see it again in Ephesians in our passages that we'll focus on today four times in two chapters, really five times in these two chapters of Ephesians 4 and 5. Um, Paul talks about this again and again, that walk this, this specific way that you're supposed to be walking, this theme of walking. Of course, he's not talking about physical action of walking. It speaks here of the pattern of your life. No one action defines your life or reveals what your life is really made of. No, it's a pattern of mostly small decisions stretched across many months and years that reveal who you are and what you're about. And this is what Paul and John are talking about over and over. Paul mentions it in almost every one of his books, every one of his letters. He says, hey, this is what we as Christians should be about. If we are calling ourselves believers, if we're calling ourselves part of Christ's family, then these are some of the things, and this is not an exhaustive list, of course, but these are some of the things that we should be about. When the world looks at us, they should see these things, this distinct, countercultural, different way of living. They should see this idea of us walking in the light. Paul, writing the Christian church, urges them to live this compelling and extraordinary life. Lives that mark such a stark contrast to culture that there would be a great apologetic or defense of the faith just by watching you live, just by watching you suffer, just by watching what you do with your money, just by watching how you handle conflict, just by watching how you handle praise. Just by watching how you, how you act when you're betrayed. What if someone takes advantage of you? What if your world seems to crumble around you? As John did when he's writing 1 John. There should be something about us other than where we attend on Sundays that is so distinct that culture would look at us and be like, man, that's such a different way to live. And there should be something so compelling about it that people want to know about it. So let me just uh, mention, I think I've got four or five of these written down. First, walk in the light. We read the scripture in 1 John. Let's look at it in uh, Ephesians 5, verse 8 and 9. He lists uh, a long list of things that uh, are true about people who aren't the people of God. And then he says uh, in verse 7, Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And verse 10 says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. First walk in the light. You see these polar opposites. A lot of times Paul uses them, Jesus uses them. This comparing of light and darkness. We all begin in darkness. That's what even the scripture says there. We're all born oriented away from God and toward self. You see this happen in the garden soon as sin entered the picture with Adam and Eve. They used to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. They used to share everything with him. But as soon as sin entered the world, what happened? They began hiding and blaming. No longer were they oriented towards God. They wanted to live for themselves. Their thoughts moved away from God and toward themselves. People still relate to sin this way. 
And it's not just, notice here, and again, every one of these could probably be their own sermon, so we're going to kind of blow past them pretty quickly. It's not just that we were in darkness, but that the darkness was actually in us. We love to be centered on ourselves. We love to be in control. We love to get what we want. You don't believe this? Just hang around a two and three-year-old for just a little bit, and you'll see that they want what they want. Just a couple days ago, I think it was Christmas Eve, I told Hudson he couldn't have something. He started throwing a fit, and what I normally do when my kids throw a fit, especially in public, which they love to do, I like to hug them really close Um, squeeze them almost to the point of suffocation, but not suffocation, and whisper in their ear. And as I began to do that with Hudson, he was having nothing of it. He reared back and punched me in the face. Seriously, I almost killed the kid just right there, Christmas Eve. What Hudson? We just never had one of them. You can see this in little kids that they want what they want and it's very apparent and they want exactly what they want and no one else really matters to them because that's their sinful nature coming through. That's the darkness. Now for some of you in this room, um, you've made this decision, hopefully most of us have made this decision that we step out of darkness to light, that God turns on the lights for us, and we see him as this all-surpassing, satisfying joy. So we go, as the, as the illustration is in Matthew, we go and sell the field so that we can get the pearl of great price, so we can get the hidden treasure. That's what Paul says here. You were darkness, but now you are light. I've said this a hundred times in the past few months. Christianity is inside out. It's not something that happens by accident. It's not just becoming moral or adhering to a certain ethical code, not believing a certain kind of doctrine. A Christian is a radical inward change of our nature. To use the Old Testament prophet, we, it, that God reaches in and takes out the heart of stone and replaces it with a new heart, a heart of flesh. And that's what Paul is saying here. You were dead, but you've been made alive. Walk in that light. This is what Christianity is. It's a radical change in our lives. At one time, the cross maybe meant nothing to you. But now you see it as the most sacrificial act of love in the history of the world. At one point, Jesus meant nothing to you, at least not in your everyday life. But now you see him as the lover of your soul, the one to whom you've submitted your life. He's your Lord and master and savior. To give yourself over to this is to be a Christian, to walk in the light is to live a life oriented toward God and centered on God. Now, just because we're now people of the light doesn't mean that the old nature's not there, that we don't like to go hide in the shadowy corners of what our life used to be. And that's why Paul, writing the Christian church, is saying, hey, listen, church, listen to me. You're going to have to make this a point in your life. You're going to have to actually choose to do this. I want you to walk in the light. Make that the pattern of your life. When you have the option to walk in darkness or walk in light, I want you to walk in light. That's what it says in the, in the passage in 1 John. If we walk in the light, he is in light. We have fellowship with one another. So when we walk in the light, we have fellowship. But when we walk in darkness, we don't want to be with one another. And then we see again and again that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. To walk in the light is to love God and pursue God and agree with God. A life that seeks 
to see things the way that God sees them, believes and understands things based on the way that God defines them, to live in light of the truth, to walk in darkness, however, is to live a life that's oriented away from God and centered on ourselves. Walking in the light means seeing things the way God sees them, responding the way that he responds. When we walk in the light, we hate sin. We hate the sin we fall into. We hate it. Doesn't mean we don't sin, but we do sin. We hate sin. We name it as sin. It's not just a struggle. It's not just something we deal with. No, it's sin, and we hate sin. Sin is from the very enemy of God. We drag it into the light, and we said, I hate this thing that keeps coming back. And we have fellowship with one another when we do that. Walk in the light. Next thing, another thing, not really in, in order as it's written in, in a chronological order, but another thing that Paul mentions is to walk in your new identity. He says this in beginning of chapter 4. Maybe you flip over there. Chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. God's called you. He's named you, adopted you, put you in his family. And with putting you in his family, Paul says, listen, there's a certain way that we're supposed to act. We don't just act according to our old nature anymore. No, we live according to our new identity. Maybe you've seen this with your kids. I've certainly seen it with mine that my kids will be these sweet kids. And and there's a certain way that we act around our house. And there's certain understood rules that we have. And then we'll invite a friend over. Or they'll go spend a lot of time with some friends. Or they'll go to, you know, grandparents' house and be spoiled and have no rules. And then they'll come back to us. And they're acting differently. And we'll have this conversation. Baby, what are you doing? You know that that's not how we act here. That's not. This is what Paul is saying to this church. Listen, walk in line with your new identity. Now sin, if you're a believer in here, sin no longer reigns. You're no longer a slave to sin, but it does remain. We still battle with the flesh, the sinful nature and all that it brings, the temptations that are before us. To say we don't struggle with sin, First John would say us, no, that means you're a liar if you say that because we all struggle with sin. And then Paul lists off several things here that are important that he says, if you're going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, here's a few things he just kind of just throws out there. God used this passage on me this week. Someone said something that really frustrated me. And uh, my typical nature when someone does that is I want to swing a truth club at them and just beat them in the head with it. Hey, I'm right and you're wrong. I want you to notice that and weep in front of me because you noticed it. And that's what I wanted to do. And just as the Holy Spirit does, I ended up in this passage and I'm the one that ends up weeping. Um, Look at what he says there in verse 4. Walk in a manner worthy which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Is it just me or is that incredibly hard to do? I mean incredibly hard to do. Oh, you want to walk in a manner worthy which which you've been called? You want to point your life in this direction? Here's just a few things Paul says. You got to be humble. 
I mean, humble, and this is what Scripture says a lot about humility. This is not just necessarily a fruit of the Spirit, although the Spirit is the one who enables us to be humble. This is, a, this is the disposition we have to choose. And that's what it says through Scripture. There's a command several times, hey, be humble. Be humble. Gentle. I guess I read there, no truth clubs beating one another in the head, right? You can't do that. Patience. Bearing with one another. Listen, if you do life in any sort of community, maybe if you were with extended family for more than a day, right, over the past three weeks, you're going to exercise this muscle of faith right here. I promise you. When you do life in community, in our community groups or in our huddles, you'll know there's some, there's some personalities in there that really frustrate you. And they're there for your sanctification. Even in marriage, I was talking with someone who's recently married. I was asking them how it's going. They said, you know what? It's the most awesome thing that I've ever done. And I was like, really? Is that the truth? And they're like, yeah, it's awesome. It's also the most, it's the most difficult thing. Because we just, we came from different places and we have different things. And, and that's just part of sanctification in your life of God working in you. I encouraged that brother. I said, just wait till you have kids, brother. And it's going to. You're going to get punched in the face for your little kid on Christmas Eve. It's going to be awesome. Eager to maintain unity. Oh, my goodness. That, is, that means that we go out of our way to maintain unity. When we think we've slighted someone, we're quick to go to them. Hey, hey, hey man, I, I, I know you may have seen it like this. I don't know if you did. You may, have, you may have understood this or misinterpreted it, and I didn't mean that in any Way, I'm sorry if I've offended you. Eager to maintain unity. We can't camp out there. Let's, let's keep going. The next, walk in the light, walk in your new identity, now walk in love. Ephesians 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God by walking in love because that's who God is. It should be the defining characteristic of the life of every believer. Paul says, just look at Jesus if you want the example. And I love how he says this too. It's a great definition of love for us is that true love always costs something true love is not just loving those people who are easy to love that would be easy it's not always those people that reciprocate love because that would be easy we're going to love each other no true love always costs you something it costs jesus his very life and I love this too, every one of these, even in Colossians and 1 John, every one of these, when it says walk in this certain way, it always just points back to Jesus. Hey, I want you to walk in love. Hey, just look at Jesus. Hey, I want you to walk in this new identity. Just look at what Jesus has given us. Walk in love. Can I ask us this question as we begin this year? Is that the definition of our life, that we are walking in love? When people look at us, they see us as being loving people? Again, we could spend more time there. Let's move to the last one. Walk in wisdom. Look down at verse 15 of chapter 5. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Walk in wisdom. We'd have to force ourselves to ask us this question. Well, then how do we do this? How do we walk in love and walk in wisdom and walk according to our new identity instead of our old ways of life? How do we do this? How do we, how do we become wise people? How do we make wise choices? I understand. I've seen 2016. I've seen the days are evil and growing more and more so with every, um, every time the clock ticks. I've seen it, right? This is where we live. The, the days are becoming more and more evil. Yes. So then, verse 15, look carefully how you live. Look carefully at the way that your life is pointed towards. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. How do we do all this? Well, it's pretty simple. By seeing and treasuring God for all that he is. By seeing his glory and living with joy under his lordship. And how do we do that? By seeing Jesus through the word. This is what Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Here's the truth. A couple years ago I read this book called Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. It's a really good book. I took it out again this past week and started reading some of this. What he says, we don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves there. You're not going to just drift towards wisdom, towards love, towards living in this new identity, towards humility or gentleness or patience. You're not just de facto going, that going to be your response. This is something that we have to discipline and prioritize ourselves so that we can get there. And we get there by seeing Jesus for who he is. Every year, I like to look at my own devotional life. And I ask myself this question, am I making time for this? This is not knowing who he is and abiding with him, as it says in John 15. Meditating, as it says in Psalms 1. This is not something that's going to happen through osmosis. It's not going to happen out of convenience. This is something that we're going to have to fight for. Piper says it this way, this is the fight of faith. This is the fight for delight. This is the opposite of passivity and resignation. This is the real strategy of the Christian life. To seek to know God. Through his word and powered by his spirit. So here's a few just quick points of application that I think help us live these other things out. First, we walk this way. We walk in wisdom by having God's word hidden in our hearts. I don't need to stand up here and give you the reasons why we should hide God's word in our heart. I shouldn't have to, but I I will just because it's a good reminder even for me to hear. Here are a few reasons why we should make reading and applying God's word a priority in our life. If God made sure that his words were recorded for us, why wouldn't we want to read them and read them numerous times? Reading large portions of scripture regularly slows us down so that we can think about life from an eternal perspective. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, it's better to attend a funeral than a wedding. Why would you think he would say that? He goes on to explain, because when you show up at a funeral, you begin to think about your life and the direction of your life and where your life is actually headed. In our daily life, we're bombarded with images 
philosophies, thoughts, reasonings, lure from the world, our flesh, and certainly temptation from the devil. We need large quantities of God's thoughts empowered by his spirit so that we can resist them, so we can know what he's calling us to, who we really are. Another reason we should make reading God's word a priority in 2017 is because you and me, we trust our thoughts too much. We trust our own thoughts too much. We trust our heart too much. We need God's word that hasn't changed with time or culture. Just as I needed the Holy Spirit this week to point to this passage in Ephesians 4 and says, Luke, this is how you respond with all humility and gentleness. Another reason we should make reading God's word a priority is that each time we read through the Bible, we, we realize how little we actually know and understand of God's word. You ever done that? Read a passage you thought you've read before? I've never seen that there. I've never seen that there. There's some stuff in the Old Testament that is worth reading because it is just this bizarro, um, I won't even go in, into some of that. We walk in wisdom by hiding God's word in our hearts. Now, we're not going to walk out of here and just drift towards doing that. You're going to have to come up with a plan. You probably need to sit down with your spouse and maybe even your family. You need to write down what the plan is. What time are you going to do this? When are you going to read God's word? I would encourage you to have a no exception time and place. Where are you going to read it? You're not going to be able to read it, you know. In bed, if you keep falling asleep, how are you going to read it? What exactly are you going to read? Are you going to follow a plan? You're going to start in Genesis and try to get to Leviticus between now and next year. What, you know, what's the plan? Are you just going to read Proverbs every day? Well, you need to have a plan. I, I don't encourage you just to flop open the Bible and just point it in there. But there's, there's a certain method of walking through Scripture. And I would love to share with you, and I think I'll try to email it out this week, just some of the plans that I really enjoy Um, using some of the devotionals that I use. You're going to have to plan it. Let me wrap up. We walk in wisdom by hiding God's word in our hearts. We walk in wisdom by being in a discipleship relationship. Who are you learning from? Who is discipling you? Who is helping you work through your sin? Who that really knows what you struggle with is helping you walk through those things? With grace, but also with seriousness. Who has the right to lovingly look you in the eyes and confront you without you running away or dismissing them or blowing up at them? Who has that right in your life? Now, it's not going to be easy. That's why Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron. Sparks are flying. We know that. That's That's how people get sharp. Who in your life have you given that permission to? And this is not just saying, oh, well, I hang out with this guy who's a lot more mature in the faith than I am. No, who have you had this conversation and said, hey, Luke, I need some help here. I know I've got these recurring sins in my life. I, need, I just need some help. Would you, will you help me here? Will you help hold me accountable? Will you help speak this truth to me? Now, this is something that should be alive in every one of our marriages, probably to some extent, although you still have to give each other permission to do this. You have to ask each other. Hey, babe, where am I forgetting the gospel? And when she actually says something, you can't like hit her with the dump truck of all the things that she's messed up with in her her entire life. You've got to be open to this. We walk in wisdom by being in a discipleship relationship. A lot of this in our church happens in our huddles. 
And for huddle just to be an event that we go to once a week, we're wasting such a great opportunity to really address and confront and hate sin and drag it into the light and saying, I hate this and it keeps coming. You guys help hold me accountable here. We walk in wisdom that way. We walk in wisdom by spending large amounts of time with other people who take the mission of God seriously. I mean seriously. And we could easily take a step here by, by making this a priority. We've, ha- we've handed out the Know Your Neighbor cards. Hopefully you're praying. Hopefully you've taken some steps here. We really walk in wisdom by spending large amounts of time with other people who take the mission of God seriously. Let me encourage you to make huddle and community group a priority. Not an event, but really doing life with these people. If it means you miss a kid's soccer game or soccer practice in order to make these, I encourage you to do that. Attending the soccer game is not probably going to make you a better believer. But your consistency and faithfulness to being around God's people will, if you'll let it. Fourth way we walk in wisdom is by resolving to make our lives about things that matter. Maybe you'd just sit down with your wife or your kids, your husband or a friend. If my life, if I didn't make it to 2018, would my life matter? Would my life really be about kingdom things? Would I leave in my wake this gospel imprint where people would see he poured out his life for the kingdom of God. The beauty and joy of 2017 won't depend on your circumstances, but they will depend on your experience of the one you were made for. As much of him that you want to experience, you experience you'll experience. Hebrews 11, he promises to reward those who diligently seek him. We're going to take communion in a minute. Before we do this, I want to give, what kind of unique thing, some of the kids are in the room, I want to give you an option to pray together as a family. Um, If you're single, you can pray by yourself. If you want to jump in with another single person around or join in with another family if you want, we're a faith family. Anybody that wants is, you know, encouraged. And if you're a visitor here, I hope this isn't just really weird to you. But as the people of God, prayer is a really important thing to us. It's how we commune with God. And so we're just going to pray together. And and maybe you would pray about some of these things specifically. Lord, help me to walk in wisdom. Help me to walk in the light. Help me to walk in love. Help me to walk in this new identity. Help, Help me make this year count for something great. Maybe that's what you pray for. Maybe you just acknowledge that your desire to be in God's word has been little to none. And you give it the leftovers and you're sorry for that. And you repent of that and you ask him to help you make it a priority this year. Whatever you do, I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray. When you're done praying, um, our communion servers will be here. I encourage you to come start this new year by taking communion. I love to, you can go back and read all these texts, how every time Paul or John says it, hey, walk in the light because Jesus is light. Hey, walk in love, just look at Jesus. Hey, walk in humility, just look at Jesus. Communion is a way for us to have this physical um, illustration of this inward reality that Jesus came and gave everything for us so that we might be part of his family. Let me pray for us. Then you take some time and pray right there as a family. This is not long or drawn out. Um, 
just a, just a minute or two and then um, come for communion and then we're going to close out um, with a song. Father, thank you for this incredible time that we get to start this year by um, hearing your word uh, taught and sung over and we get to participate in the singing and we, we get to start this year by praying with people that we really love and people that, that we want to see you work in us and through us. We want to readjust the trajectory of our lives to where we are walking with you. Up the mountain and into the valleys when things get difficult when things are easy, may we walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You'll take some time and pray and then come take communion when you're ready.